Welcome to Blueprint CFO Presents, our bi-monthly podcast featuring future-focused entrepreneurs. Our guest today is Dustin Geiger, founder of 630 Bikes. Dustin's website is 630.com. If you're in the market for a bike, he's got some great products on there. 630 spelled out, S-I-X-T-H-R-E-E-Z-E-R-O.com. Thanks for having me, Jim. Dustin would like to sell you a bike. Good afternoon, Dustin. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's a pleasure to have you on our show today. I know it's going to be a fun one. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about Dustin first and a little bit about Blueprint CFO, and then we'll kick off into our interview. Um, Dustin started 630 many years ago, well, over 15 years ago. And uh, he, he originally had a business partner when he started the company. Subsequently, he bought out the business partner. The company specializes in the sale of beach cruiser bicycles. And more recently, they've launched a whole series of uh, product in the electric bike space, and especially in the electric tricycle space, which is really a cool product. The company has seen consistent growth over the years in, in, in revenue and profitability to where it is today. And we'll learn more about Dustin in a minute. But let's talk about Blueprint CFO. We're the sponsor of this podcast series. We're a fractional CFO and outsourced accounting firm. We practice future-focused accounting. So most accountants, as you know, are historians. They tell you how you did in the past, and then they, they stop. But our goal is to work with our clients and give them great accounting, and then the data that's within the accounting uh, statements that shows positive and negative trends, and also what's working and what's not working in their business. Our goal at Blueprint CFO is to give current, accurate, timely, financial data to our clients to help them run their business better, to grow, to support their growth and their profitability. You can learn more about Blueprint CFO at blueprintcfo.com. So let's get on with our questions. Um, Dustin, when did you start 630? I started in 2005, April of 2005 in uh, Hermosa Beach, California. So I, Dustin was one of the one of those many um, successful entrepreneurs who actually started in his garage. So we'll t- talk about that in a minute. But what led you to uh, launch the company, Dustin? What got you into this business? Um, yeah, well, I'm not historically, you know, an avid cyclist, probably just like your your typical neighborhood, you know, guy who used his bike to get around cyclist. Um But uh, I had come out to California and was originally living in Burbank and then moved down with my now wife to uh, Hermosa Beach and started to see this whole beach cruiser bike culture. And actually, my wife surprised me with a bike as a gift. And uh, then I called up my my buddy, um, who was my then business partner, and I said, hey, I think we should sell these things. And uh, that was basically the beginning of the company. So you reached out to the company making the bikes in Asia, if I remember correctly, and yeah, well, he did you being a distributor for them. Yeah, he was a guy um, who had come here from China, sent here from the factory to basically start selling the factory's brand of bikes here. And um, yeah, after I bought mine, I looked them up. They were in El Monte, California. And um, I basically said, hey, could we sell these wholesale? And he said, you got to go out and get a reseller's number and I need a business ID. So actually the next day, 
I went out and filed all the necessary paperwork. And then Friday, we received our first shipment of bikes into my then business partner's garage. And I think I, I think I remember our first day, which was that Saturday, we had sold five bikes and, you know, we thought that was a huge success or, you know, at least it was the, it was a glimmer of hope that this could actually work. And so that was, that was where it all started. That's just a great story. Um, I know the, I think I know the answer to this question, but when you were growing up, uh, were you dreaming about being in the bicycle business? No, no, not at all. Um, I, you were know, you're going to, were you going to do something else or. Yeah. I mean, so, um, my, my dream was always to work in film and TV. That was what brought me out to California when I graduated college. Um, I just really wanted to work in the television industry behind the scenes in some capacity. And I was, I was doing that actually, that's what I was doing. That was where my career was headed. And then this opportunity kind of sprung up and basically dropped everything and pursued it. And, uh, and the rest is history. But, here you are 18 years later. 18 years later. Yeah. 18 years of selling bikes. I would have never guessed it, honestly. <laughs> That's for sure. So you said, Dustin, that you had, you started with a partner and that's quite common that people start with a partner. I started with a partner at Blueprint CFO um, and ultimately bought that partner out. Was there, is there a story behind that in terms of, you know, uh, having a partner for a young entrepreneur that's thinking about launching a business? Yeah. Um, so I actually had, well, I had two partners to begin with. Um, it was, so we, I had three, about three or four best friends. Three of us all kind of moved out to California at the same time. I, I came out for different reasons though. They came out for more of the beach lifestyle. I came out to, um, to work in the entertainment industry. So they were always living in Hermosa and I was living in Burbank for the first basically two years. And, when we moved down to Hermosa, um, I initially had asked my one buddy if he wanted to do it with me. And then we, you know, it became complicated having three best friends all living, you know, in the same area. And so we included him and, um, you know, it became challenging to manage it together as friends and as a business. And um, so we, uh, about, I'm trying to think, maybe about a year, I actually didn't work full time for the business for the first year. I stayed at my full time job and did all the web stuff while working at the CW TV network, well, which was WB back then. And my my then business partner actually stayed in the warehouse and ran things on the ground floor. And then we had our third partner. And when I decided to quit my job a year after we had started the business, we kind of presented to the third partner, hey, if you want to be a part of this, you need to go full time. He didn't want to. And so we um, figured out a way to make a split happen. It wasn't exactly amicable and it didn't go the direction that, you know, you would have hoped it would have gone considering that, you know, the, the three of us had literally been best friends since about second grade, third grade. Um, and so then I moved out with my business partner and we were together for 10 years. And um, I would say, you know, for 85% of it, it was all great. And then as we, you know, became older and um, I was getting married and we had sort of different life plans and goals, it became challenging to balance each other's goals. And then we also ran into some situations with the business had changed a lot. I actually had run the e-commerce from day one. That was always my focus was e-commerce, the digital marketing. 
and he was more of the store guy, the retail guy, uh, really on how to manage the stores, things of that nature. And we, uh, you know, 2008 was the last or was the the big recession. And we actually didn't experience much of a downturn at all. It was more um, later in about 2010 or 11 when um, it was really the retail internet sort of divide started to happen where internet became a bigger powerhouse and it started to hurt retail stores. And we saw a dip in the beach cruiser market. And so we were kind of faced with, you know, either we kind of run one unit together or we kind of need to split up because essentially we had each had our own division for the entirety of the company where he stuck to the stores and I stuck to the internet. And long story short, yeah, it just became better that we split. Um, and I, you know, I bought him out and took over and, you know, it's hard to say what I, would I do it again differently? Probably not because without him, I wouldn't, you know, have been able to start the company. There was a lot of things early on that he did that I couldn't do. Um, you know, fast forward now to where I am today. Could I do it alone? Yes. But, you know, I've got many more years of experience and things like that. But at the time, you know, the emotional support, um, just having another person to lean on. And again, we had kind of different, different abilities. So it, it worked for the time being, but um, it's not easy. You know, I will say that it's not <laughs> easy. And I, I think you also have to have a very, like a marriage, to be honest, you have to have a very strong desire to keep that partnership going. And if it doesn't exist with both people, it can very quickly, you know, go south or, you know, split up kind of. So, yeah. You know, I work with hundreds of companies and I've seen it where the partners aren't agreeing to things and don't get along. And it really impacts the ability for the company to be successful. So. Yeah. I mean, the other thing too is, you know, buy sell agreements, you know, we were 50, 50 and the other issue with that is then everything was a stalemate, you know? And so oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that that's kind of another piece of advice is you, you know, you probably, if you're a 50, 50 partner, you want to have some sounding board or maybe an elected third party that could be a neutral or some sort of written in mediation process, some way of coming to an amicable decision-making process. Cause without that, it, it just, you know, everyone's handcuffed, basically. There's nothing can happen with a 50-50 vote. So Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So you touched on the recession. You know, what are, has there been other rough spots in the business? You know, has, has there been things that have happened that caused the business to falter a little bit and you had to reinvent things and do different things? or Yeah, I mean, how many times do we want to talk about? <laughs> Give us just like a couple of examples because... Every yeah. company has that, you know, in 18 years, there's going to be plenty of those situations. But if you have yeah. two that like stick out in your head. Yeah, I would say, I mean, so basically there was this um, kind of the, the, I mean, the retail industry, I think in general, brick and mortar is still going through, you know, this evolution and changing. I mean, we're hearing about Bed Bath & Beyond, you know, about to go under, but we just got saved. And um, that kind of all started in the, the early mid 2000s where internet started to just have this bigger play. So it was about 2011 for us where it just became more and more apparent that it was, it was hard for us to support these niche stores, um, especially in the cruiser sector because more people were going online. And so that was really hard. I mean, we went from having at our peak, you know, five stores to basically closing three of them very quickly. 
um, and transitioning into how do we, you know, drive the same amount of revenue with less stores and more internet focused. Um, so that was challenging. I think coupled with that was, and I, I bet a lot of people in the digital space remember this, there was a major, I can't remember if it was the Panda or Penguin Google update. Um, in the early 2000s, you know, Google search results used to be far less sophisticated. And when you would type in the word beach cruiser anywhere in the country, we showed up number one. They didn't have geo-targeting. They didn't have anything like that. Then all of a sudden it went through this transition. And I think it, I think it was like around the same time, maybe 2011 or 12, the algorithm changed. And essentially, instead of us showing up, let's say in, um, you know, Los Angeles for search results, we would only show up in Hermosa Beach. So all of a sudden, when you know a hundred thousand people were seeing our store location, it dwindled down to ten thousand, and that had a massive, massive impact on the amount of leads that were coming in the door. And that that was truthfully one of the most challenging years. We had to pivot from a marketing standpoint, do a lot more paid stuff, um, and really the company had grown up on that the Google organic, and it had been you know six six seven years that we had built around that guaranteed traffic flow and so that was a big lesson to me about really diversifying your marketing channels and making sure your leads are not coming from one place the other thing i learned is you know all of these platforms anything that you don't own um, that's not your website um, you know facebook google uh, Instagram, anything, LinkedIn, the, they can change their layout. They can change their algorithms. And in a moment's notice, your business could change completely. And, um, you know, so it's just been a lesson in me to try to drive all that traffic to your website, try to own those customers, try to own your email lists and, um, and not be so reliant on those systems, you know? That's great. That's a great story. And I forgot about how that's all changed over time. You know, I remember 20 years ago when I, I was doing some things in internet gift cards and uh, there was a there was a projection that much of the retail spending was going to be online in the future and nobody believed it but it, it certainly did happen <laughs> probably way yeah. more than what they were forecasting even yeah yeah so what what next question is owning a business is is always fun and challenging but what's the best part of owning your own business uh hands down the flexibility I mean, for me, I have three young children. It's really the ability to do what I want when I want, you know, which is also sort of a downfall, a downside in the one sense, because nobody's telling you what to do. So it's a little bit hard to get focused at times. But um, for me, I really value just, you know, picking my daughter up at school, taking my son places um, as as those opportunities present themselves, as opposed to, you know, having to be in an office eight hours a day with somebody else dictating my schedule. Yep. So on the flip side, what's the worst part of owning your own business? Yeah. I mean, definitely for me, it's the, um, the stress and the, the thought that everything lies on my shoulders. Um, I, you know, I think again, in, in one sense, I really like that because I'm sort of a lone wolf kind of, you know, leader guy that I enjoy that. But in the same token, um, it sometimes takes away from the, you know, being present in the moment with family or friends where you're always thinking about the business and how are we going to do this and where are we going to get money for that? Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's why a lot of people choose not to go the direction of owning your own business, right? Because you just want to come home at the end of the day and not have to worry about everything 
um, that's going you're on. But, your paycheck's going to be in your bank and, you know, on Friday or something. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so the COVID um, situation has now kind of run its course. How was your company? Every company was affected differently by COVID. Some, some were hurt, some were helped. What, uh, what, what is, you know, what was the impact on 630 for COVID? Well, I don't know, Jim, you, would you, would you, do you think COVID's run its course through our company yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's well, funny though. Joe, Joe Biden said COVID, uh, COVID's <laughs> over. So yeah, yeah. I'm going with that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, the last four years, honestly, for me has been a, a doctorate in business, to be honest with you, because I, I don't think, I mean, knock on wood, we'll, we'll never be through something like we were through before. I mean, we went from uh, March 15th uh, was like sort of the, 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 the shutdown of the world. On March 16th, the demand for my product went up ten, tenfold and uh, everything went up tenfold. All the web traffic, phone calls, emails. And, you know, we experienced a sales increase of more than double for the next, you know, 18 months, which was incredible. But it brought with it a lot of challenges, which was the customer service end, uh, a lot of customer complaints. Everybody was, you know, wanted their bikes, wanted them now, and things got delayed. So managing the communication, um, just the PR around the situation. On the flip side, though, now it's like everything's gone the other direction where we're left with too much inventory and um, demand has dropped. And so it's you know, for us as a business that did very well, it's kind of like things have flip flopped. You know, I think restaurants struggled and now are probably doing well. We did well then and now we're struggling now. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say we're struggling now, but we're still dealing with the impact that COVID had on our business. Um, and I think we'll be dealing with that, you know, for the next 12 months and, you know, hoping at that point we can officially move on from the COVID situation. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for I, I, having worked with you, I know that there was positive parts of where the company did very well during COVID. You even stopped selling bikes for a while there because you you were overloaded. And then um, then there's obviously, you know, negative parts because it was hard to forecast demand when we're coming out of COVID. It's just as everybody already bought, already bought a bike and are not going to the market is not going to be that robust. And so. Absolutely. You're yeah. not alone. There's many, many companies went through that situation. What about the recession? You know, they're saying there's going to be a recession this year. It's February now. Do you, are you seeing any weakness that you can attribute to a recession happening or inflation? I mean, I definitely see, uh, you know, in, in our industry, it seems like people are obviously willing to pay less for a bicycle today than they were last year at the same time. Um, and it does seem like demand is down and the other big players in our space are also, you know, suffering um, because the demand is way off the mark. But, you know, I'm looking at our sales in terms of 2019, really, because that's the last year of sort of normalcy. And when we look at that, we're, we're pacing at an OK pace. Um, you know, I try as much as I can to stay out of, you know, worrying about recessions and just think about, you know, what do I need to do on the micro level to make my business survive? Um, you know, the other thing too, and I'm, you know, the unemployment rate is still, the employment rate is still great. 
Um, so I think that's encouraging. I don't, I couldn't imagine that the employment rate is going to fall off a cliff here in the next 12 months. And I feel fairly confident if that, you know, the unemployment number stays low, I think we'll do just fine. But then again, I'm not really an economist, so I have no idea, but, um, knock on wood, I feel okay about this year so far. Yeah. Okay. Good. What about being an entrepreneur and, and the number of hours you have to work? Do you, do you, how many hours a week do you work? Do you think if you added them all up? Um, well, so I, I mean, I've been doing this 18 years and I've had the same business for 18 years. You know, when I first started the company, obviously I worked a lot more. I worked weekends. Um, I'm kind of at a point now where I want to have controlled growth and, um, my life, my work-life balance is most important to me and the growth of the company is important, but not at the expense of sacrificing everything in my personal life. So I, I would say realistically, I, you know, at a desk working or being involved with the business hands-on in some way, it's no more than 40 hours a week for me. And I'd say some weeks are, you know, 30 hours a week. With that said, I'm constantly doing research on my phone or looking for things that, are kind of fun to me that I don't consider working. Um, but, you know, if you're adding those hours in, then yeah, it's like 50 plus hours a week, you know, but yeah. again, I, I don't feel like you know. for me, I'm working like 24 seven, but you know, cause I'm always answering, looking at my phone, like you said, or answering emails or whatever, but you know, it's important to have that work-life balance, like you're saying, and not spend too much time working. But I've, I've seen many entrepreneurs that get caught up in the trap of, never going home and spending time with their family. So that's, that's a challenging part of owning your own business, I think. Yeah. And I think for me, thankfully, you know, if I was in an earlier stage of my company, I probably would feel more pressure to do more. Um, I mean, not that I don't want to do more, but you know, I mean, again, I've been doing it 18 years. So it's like, I feel like I owe it to myself to just kind of also enjoy this time with a family, you know, with my young kids and things like that. Yep. So Dustin, you're a Blueprint CFO client. We've been working together for a year or two now. Um, is there anything you could share about working with Blueprint CFO? You know, this is our little advertising part of our podcast that um, how we maybe have helped you with the business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, three things really come to mind in terms of how you guys have had an impact. I think number one is helping to, you know, get the books in order. Um, in the way that they should be and categorize expenses. I mean, I've always had a bookkeeper and a controller for a few years, but I think when, you know, you bring in a CFO on top of the bookkeeping, there's a more clear strategy on how we need the books to be to get, you know, effective financing or tax savings or things like that. Um, and so we've done a lot of reorganization and, you know, categorizing and bucketing of different things that, has really improved the books, which is um, awesome. And then I think on top of that is also um, on the, you know, the data analyst side is setting up um, some of these outside reports, pulling data from our ERP system and really slicing and dicing the sales numbers to get a better picture of which segments of the business are succeeding, growing, failing. Um, and I really rely on those numbers to help me, you know, look at the product development and, um, what's growing. I think that's another thing too. Something I learned from another mentor of mine is, you know, I'm a creative guy. 
and I think creative people want to think that you just cre you just create, right? You just create out of thin air. But the reality is in business, the numbers help drive the creativity in the right direction. And it took me a while to understand that. So now, you know, with Blueprint, I'm able to see those numbers and think creatively about the segments and opportunities that are presented in the numbers, right? You don't want to just, it's not about wasting your creativity on pie in the sky ideas. It's about channeling it to where the numbers tell you the opportunities are. Um, and I think thirdly is the financing um, and the bank relationship. You know, since Blueprint came on board, we tripled the line of credit we had with the bank, which was a tremendous help for us in buying inventory coming out of COVID um, and getting that deal in place and then managing that relationship with cash forecasts. Um, I definitely couldn't have done that myself. And, uh, you know, every entrepreneur probably will come to some point where capital is going to be an issue. Um, it, depending on, you know, especially if you're trying to scale a business, if you're trying to scale a business, there will come a day where you're going to need capital, you know, and either you finance that with credit cards or something else. Um, but I think it's rare to find those cash only funded businesses. I know they do exist. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's going to be a slower sort of growth pattern if you do try to do cash the entire way, unless you have tremendous profit margins. But I think having someone like Blueprint you could turn to that could present you with multiple different funding options and also get your finances in order to be able to present for funding issue funding options. Because I've actually um, gone out to some other brokers and people that do financing. But the reality is, is if your books aren't in order, you can't even get approved, right? It's just like a mortgage. You got to be able to provide all your pay stubs and things like that. And so Blueprint's been tremendous in sort of tying that all into a package and giving it to the bank and getting it all approved. So it's been awesome. Thank, thank you for that, Dustin. Um, any last tips as we wrap this up? Our last question, any last tips you want to share with blossoming entrepreneurs about business in general and things that they should keep in the back of their mind to be successful? Oh, let's see. Um, well, I'd say, you know, one important thing, and we always brought this up in one of my business groups, I think it's very important to define success in your own mind. You know, that's one thing I think a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners get caught up in that success always means growing or scaling or making more in sales. And, um, you know, I've come to terms with that success for me doesn't necessarily look like more revenue. And so I think it's important as you're growing a business to really, really define success in your own mind, because um, the way you what as you define success will dictate how you grow um, and build your company. And uh, you can build it to be more flexible or you can build it to be huge with hundreds of employees, you know. And so it's really, really important that you know um, what it is you want most. Yeah. With with growth comes complexity. <laughs> so that is true. Be careful what you wish for in the terms of growth, you know, and always focus on the bottom line, too. That's another important thing that we help our clients uh, do, because it's all about profitability at the end of the day. You don't want to Absolutely. just be trading do dollars. OK, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Join us. Uh, thank you, Dustin, for participating today. Uh, Thanks for join us me. for our next podcast, which will be two, two Fridays from now on February 24th at 12.15 p.m. 
and we will be interviewing Fergus and Gabriela Hernandez of, of Besame Cosmetics. And they have a whole another cool story to share about their company and the adventure that they've been on building their company. And they've been in business just about as long as Dustin, I think about 15 years. So get ready for more tips from entrepreneurs on how to build a successful business. And so long for now. Thank you.